Woke up quick at about noon. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. Welcome into the Monday, June 29th edition of the podcast with Damian Barling. I am your host, Damian Barling, and I thank you so much for tuning in, downloading, streaming, subscribing, and for listening. If you're not yet a subscriber and you just found this show randomly on Twitter, become one. I think you dig what we're doing here each and every single day, Monday through Friday. We got quite a bit to talk about is we got the NBA schedule last Friday evening. We got the Sacramento Kings schedule, believe it or not. Sacramento Kings are going to Orlando, despite what many national media outlets want you to believe. The Kings actually have an opportunity to make the playoffs. I mean, I get that you ignore the Kings, but when we're down to, like, just only a couple of extra teams, like, it's one thing to ignore the Kings when there's 30 teams in the league. It's one thing to ignore the Kings when there's, like, I don't know, 16, 15 teams competing for for playoff spots. It's another thing when we're talking about like four teams. And that's what a number of national media outlets did. And Kings fans came to the rescue. Uh, Jabari Parker did not come to the rescue. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about all of the different things going on in the NBA. We'll dive in uh, to some of the games as well. A couple of follow-ups from NASCAR. Nothing surprising out of there either. And UCLA and Under Armour. This is interesting. Uh, We'll have that story for you here. Uh, It's going to be a busy week of podcast here on our little network. uh, If you're a Patreon subscriber, you know I dropped an episode of Be Conscious last night entitled My Name is Elijah McClain. Uh, I give you, uh, I urge you uh, to go take a listen to that. If you're a subscriber, if you're not yet, and you're wondering what Be Conscious is all about, there's an episode here in the free feed with Tyler Merritt. Go take a listen to that. That's what we do over there on Patreon. Uh, we do. We talk a lot about race. We talk a lot about social issues. Uh, and this Elijah McClain episode was, it was difficult. And with basketball getting closer, with the Kings schedule out, we'll have a Kings podcast over on the Sacramento Kings podcast and, and Hoop Ball Network uh, coming up later in the week as well. So that's just a little rundown of what we got going on. Let's start, though, before we get to the Kings. Let's start with Cam Newton. Cam Newton is on a roster, and it is honestly something – I was not 100% confident was going to be happening before week one. As we got closer and closer, I mean, we're just a shade. We're right about one month away, barring anything going wrong, because, you know, states are getting shut down again because Americans collectively were all idiots and we don't listen. So states are getting shut down again, but that's not going to affect the NFL. The NFL won't allow it to because the NFL is above everything. And the plan right now is, and there's no sense in planning out a month in advance because things change daily. Like we had bars open a couple of days ago. Now we don't. You know, everything seems, oh, we're going to start getting back to normal. No, we're not because people won't wear masks because, well, damn it, it's their right not to or whatever stupid ass excuse they come up with. But I was, the, the plan is for spring training to start July 28th. I thought, man. I don't know if Cam is going to be signed. Like, are we looking at a situation where a quarterback gets hurt and and get, they, they get hurt in training camp? Are we looking at a potential Teddy Bridgewater situation before Cam Newton gets a job? Well, the answer is no. He's signing with a team that a lot of people thought he might wind up on from the very, very beginning. It just took a whole lot longer to get here. And on one hand, I am thrilled that Cam Newton has signed with the team. On the other hand... He signed with the New England Patriots. Now, I wonder, because I legitimately don't know, what does that mean? 
is he I mean it's a one year deal by the way it's not like he's locked in long term and it, but but I'm again I, I go back like what does this mean is this like a one year prove a deal is it like hey we're bringing in a former MVP to come in here and get the job done we expect you to perform we expect you to lead this team and we expect to sign you to a lengthy contract extension at least a two or three year contract extension when this season is over or is it more along the lines of hey we expect you to come in and we expect you to compete with Jared Stidham. We expect you to uh, to to fight for this starting job that Tom Brady has left vacant on our pristine roster. Or is it, hey, Cam, come in and help the kid out. I don't think it's the third one. My gut tells me it's the second one. I desperately want it to be the first one. But I think they're bringing him in to compete with Stidham. Now, everything that we've heard about Stidham, particularly from you know people who are close to New England, is that Belichick believes that's the guy. Now, obviously, nothing has happened between the end of the season and today that's going to change Belichick's mind on how you know how he feels about Stidham. Now, he may feel stronger about Cam Newton, or he may just look at it, and this is pretty simple. Low risk, massive reward. Could be as simple as that. I wanted Cam Newton to get a chance. I desperately wanted Cam Newton to get a chance. I wanted him to get a chance to be a starter. And barring them just handing the job to Stidham, which doesn't really feel like the Patriot way, I think Cam Newton's going to have a chance to start in the league. And I don't care for the Patriots, but if this gives Cam Newton a chance to get back out there on the football field and, and, and get a chance to get his arm going again... Hell yeah, I'm all about it. I know I'm a broken record with this, so please forgive me. I know it's one of my quirks. I know I tend to repeat stuff over and over again, and I try to pound it into your brain. Cam Newton was just an MVP candidate like two seasons ago. He played like two games last year, one or two games last year. It, It didn't work out. We all know last year was a disaster. The year before, when he got hurt, he got hurt, and I think it was week eight or nine versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. I remember the game very vividly. I believe I had just proclaimed my love for the Carolina Panthers. I had just said, watch out. The Panthers are a team to be reckoned with. And then they played on a Thursday night. They played the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh put up like 50. It was like 50-something to 30-something. 50-something to 20-something. It was a blowout. And, and, And the Steelers put up a lot of points, but I remember thinking, okay, Steelers needed to get this win. Not a big deal. For the Carolina Panthers, not a big deal for Cam Newton, except Cam Newton got tossed on his shoulder in that game, and he was never the same. He went from being a MVP candidate. Now, it was, I mean, at that time, at nine games into the season, it felt like it was Patrick Mahomes' award. But if you opened it up for conversation, it was, again, eight, ish games into the season, eight games into the season. It was Mahomes, it was Russell Wilson, and it was Cam Newton. I mean, even, you know, Cam had a disastrous uh, final stretch of that 2018 season. But even with that, he still finished with 24 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. I mean, Carolina was rolling. They were going to, you know, they had themselves a playoff spot, they had themselves in a in a really good position, and then they didn't, and then it, it just all it all went to hell. It all went to hell when Cam's shoulder went to hell, and that and that marked that marked the end of everything. 
But Cam was so good that year, man. Okay, sorry. Let me let me let me try that again. Cam was so good the first eight games of that season. I mean, he was just incredible. And and then you know, the pandemic happens, and you wonder. And I re- recall vividly a conversation with Kyle Matson shortly after the NFL draft, and when we were talking about you know Cam Newton being an available an available quarterback and what it might look like for him and. Kyle's like, I, 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 don't, I don't know if he's going to get signed until you know his medicals can get looked at. I don't know if he's going to get signed until he can actually work out for a team. Now, I, one of the tweets that I read, I don't know if it was from Schefter or Rappaport. I don't know who it was from. But it said that the deal had been in, it, it kind of been in the works for a while, like for, specifically a couple of weeks. Now, what does that mean? I, I'm not really clear. Does it mean that like he's, he's visited New England? That, that doesn't. Is New are the Patriots allowed to have people into the facility? I don't I don't think that they are. I don't think NFL teams have done that yet, have they? I mean, are they just zooming medical records with doctors? Like I I'm I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know what any of it means. But the fact is, he's he's a Patriot. He's in the league. I'm happy about that. A lot of what I'm talking about was stalling for time because I was trying to pull up the game logs from that 2018 season to get a feel. What did I just say? 24 and 13. 24 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. So if we go with the Steelers game, which was week nine, and he played till week 14. One, two, three, seven, eight, nine. Nine of those interceptions came between weeks nine and 14. Nine of those interceptions. So up until... That Pittsburgh Steeler game, he had only thrown four interceptions. Up until week four, he had only thrown four interceptions. And touchdowns, two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 15. 15 touchdowns to four interceptions up until that Pittsburgh Steeler game. He threw two touchdowns that game, by the way. Two touchdowns, one interception that game. He actually threw three touchdowns the next game. But they lost to Detroit by one point. Then they went on to lose to Seattle by three points. They went on to lose to Tampa Bay by seven points. They went on to lose to Cleveland by six points. They lost to New Orleans by three points. Those were Cam's final games. They were, with the exception of that Pittsburgh Steelers game in Week 9, they were never blown out. They were, they were in every single one of these games. Even, and, and, and again, if you recall, Cam's shoulder was gone. This was his throwing shoulder. It was gone. There were people like, oh, my God, I think Cam Newton has forgotten how to throw a football. Like, I just like, look, at, there's no velocity on it. What has happened to him? Yeah, he got body slammed in the, in the Pittsburgh Steelers game. If you couldn't tell, I'm a Cam Newton fan. So I'm happy that he's back. Bittersweet that it's with the New England Patriots, but I'm going to root for him, man. I have no ill will towards the New England Patriots. I certainly don't want to see him playing in the Super Bowl. But if Cam Newton starts 17 games, they ball out, he plays great, and it, and it means that Cam Newton can win a Super Bowl, I'd go for it. That's how much I like Cam. I would cheer for the Patriots. All right, wait. Let, okay. Let's not get crazy. Um, let's stop that, uh, and we'll deal with that. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but I'm thrilled that Cam Newton is back in the league. He's got a one-year deal with the New England Patriots. I pray he can stay healthy. I, I just have this sick, like I remember this, I remember this so vividly wanting Des Bryant to get on a roster 
And I, okay, these situations are not the same. I'm not trying to equate them. I just remember the last time I desperately, well, besides one rather much talked about quarterback, I remember the last time I desperately wanted a player to get on a roster, and it was Des Bryant. And then he did. And then the first practice, he blows his Achilles. Again, I know, I, I, not comparing Cam to, 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 you know, the Dez and, you know, Achilles and shoulder, nothing like that. I just, I, I hope Cam gets in there. He's able to get some work. I hope he's able to stay healthy. Uh, and I'm confident if, if, if this is real, if it's Cam, come in here, compete for this job. You're 30 years old. Our last quarterback didn't leave till he was over 40. We've got a system here that works. If you can come in here, you could take this job away from him. From Jared Stedham, you could be our quarterback for a very, very long time. That's absolutely what I'll root for. A hundred percent what I'll root for. Uh, the Sacramento Kings schedule came out on Friday. And as we speculated, there's going to be some awkward start times. Uh, there's going to be quite a few awkward start times. If you recall, we discussed how they got to sanitize the court and we got to do all those different things. And with the dress code now of, um, you know, coaches being able to wear polos and different things like that. And by the way, I, I was reading people on Twitter like, I, I don't get this. Like, what? Why? Do you have any idea how difficult it would be to pack? Whether it, for guys, I think it's a little bit easier. It's suits and shirts and all of that, but you can't run stuff out to dry cleaning. You can't do different things like that. With polos, you throw them in the washer, you're good to go. Polos, khakis, boom. It's going to be like Summer League. And with, I believe we have at least one, I think we have a 10 30 start time, if I'm not mistaken. I think we have a very, very early start time for one of those Pelicans games. It's going to feel a lot like Summer League. We've got an 11.30 start time against the Dallas Mavericks. But the Kings schedule is as such. It begins on Friday, July 31st. They'll take on the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, they'll take on the Orlando Magic after that. Then the Dallas game that we just mentioned, the New Orleans Pelicans game that we just mentioned. I'll remind everybody of the times uh, as these as these games you know are upon us because they're all every single one of them is a very different time. We got a game against Brooklyn on a Friday that I think starts at two. Uh, we got a game against the Rockets, uh, Pelicans. I think this is a TNT game, August eleventh, the game against the Pelicans and the Los Angeles Lakers on Thursday, August thirteenth. That'll complete the <clears throat> regular season. The Ringer asked its audience. Who do you think is going to get the eighth seed? And I believe they put the Pelicans, the Blazers, and the Grizzlies. Huh. We talked about this. We talked about it. They are going to, if they, if they, if they believe in prayer, if they believe in voodoo, if they believe in magic, not Magic Johnson, you know, just magic, like Michael Scott magic, they are going to will any way possible this Pelicans versus Lakers first-round matchup. They're throwing in the Blazers because they respect Dame Lillard. They're throwing in the Grizzlies because, well, it's their spot to lose. Oh, but if they, and they being pronouns, pal, the national media, and when I say the national media, I mean all of them. I mean TNT, I mean ESPN, I mean the Sporting News, I mean SB Nation, I mean all of them. 
they want to see the Pelicans take on the Lakers. The juicy stories that come out of that. You got the the Zion Williamson versus Anthony Davis. You got Anthony Davis playing his former team. You got Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram going against, you know, LeBron James and, and the organization that gave up on him. All oh, the stories that you could tell. Nothing exciting about the Kings. Kings-Lakers isn't a rivalry. I know that we think it is. I know the people in Sacramento think it is. It's not. Even the Lakers don't think it's a rivalry. They're like, hey, dude, whatever. You're the team we hit a shot against, that Robert Ory hit a shot against. Blazers, they're doing it out of respect. Grizzlies, you have to because it's their spot to lose. Nobody care about the Kings, and that's all right. Maybe that's motivation. At this point, with eight games, you're playing in the middle of a global pandemic, right? You're in this so-called bubble that's going to be questioned. This, you know, this, this, you know, rejoining this returning to NBA action. This is going to be armchair quarterback to death. And that was probably a choice, a poor choice of words, because that's the most extreme thing that could happen uh, in this NBA rejoin. There's people talking about, well, what if somebody dies? Well, it, it, it's not impossible. You know what I mean? Like I, I understand everybody's concern. I, I, I get it. Like I completely get it. But it's going to be armchair quarterback to death. And I think ultimately is it these guys want to play ball. Do they want to earn their money? Of course they want to earn their money, but they also want to play ball. They want to do what they love. They want to get back out there. They want to do the thing. They want to do what they love, do what they've done for most of them for decades. Even the younger players. I mean, younger players start AAU now at 12 years old. John Moran's probably been playing basketball for a decade already. You know, was he like 20 years old or something like that? So I, I, I know this thing is going to be second guess. Like, but man, you're playing in the middle of a pandemic. You're playing in this so-called isolated Orlando. You're being removed from your fans. No one wants you there. But if you don't have enough motivation already, if you're the Sacramento Kings, boy, they are just loaded with motivation. And oh, by the way, they were playing better than the Grizzlies were when the season came to an end. Oh, by the way, they were playing better than the Portland Trailblazers were before the season ended. And oh, by the way, they were playing better than the New Orleans Pelicans. This isn't stating something as a fan of the Sacramento Kings. This is stating something from someone who watched basketball. Those three other teams were not playing well. Now, what does it matter? Nothing. Because we've never experienced like this, <laughs> anything like this before. This doesn't matter. Like we're essentially having an we we just had an off season. That's basically what just happened. We had an off season, but the difference between this off season that we just had versus the off season that we normally had is that no one was a hundred percent sure that it was an actually an off season. We thought it was an off season, but we weren't positive. And when I say we, obviously we collectively, but the players. Players didn't know. I didn't think the NBA was coming back. I know there are a lot of NBA players that didn't think they were coming back. I think there are a lot of NBA players that still don't want to come back. Even, I, I don't think people on the Wizards want to come back. I don't think people on the Suns want to come back. I bet you Monty Williams wants to come back. He wants to bring that young team into Orlando and tell them, hey, run, work. Like our off-season training starts now, and this is going to be the most competitive off-season training you're ever going to have. Because I think, I mean, and I say that like they're just completely out of the picture, but they're like a game and a half out. So if the Kings are three and a half back from taking sole possession of the eighth place, so they're a half a game away from, uh, you know, getting in a play-in situation, 
it's not just, you know, the Grizzlies that they're competing against. They're also competing against Portland, who's only half a game back. They're also competing against, you know, San Antonio, even though going with the Marcus Aldridge, they're a game back. Phoenix is a little bit, you know, further back. New Orleans, same thing, like a game back. You know, in terms of, uh, what is it, three or less gets the play in. So I... You know, I, I I feel like Monty Williams is like, hey, let's 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 roll, let's make the most of it, like let's let's go do our part, and we'll just kind of see where the chips fall. And a lot of other teams that hey, I don't blame, I don't blame like the Wizards if they don't want to go. Wizards, what are you gonna do? Get the eighth seed and go play Milwaukee? Okay, good for you. Shoot, it's in Orlando. I don't even think the Magic want to go. The Magic could be like, hey, can we just give it to Washington? Like we'd really just rather. Go hunker down with our families because I don't know if y'all have heard, but Florida's a shit show. <laughs> but the good news for Florida is so is California. So is Texas. So is virtually every other state that said, hey, go back, return to normal. As a matter of fact, what the hell is Jabari Parker doing? You know, while we're talking about people making stupid decisions, let's talk about Jabari Parker. Three days after Jabari Parker announced that he had tested positive for coronavirus, he was photographed playing tennis. Okay. He was photographed playing tennis without a mask on. Okay. So let's try to dissect this just a smidge. Parker, of course, one of three Sacramento Kings uh, to test positive. And congratulations to the Sacramento Kings. Is they are uh, the only team uh, with three players who tested positive for the coronavirus. So way to go, guys. Not finishing last anymore. Buddy Heald, Alex Lynn, and Jabari Parker are the, th- the three positives. That we know about. Okay. And, I, you know, I, I, th- I think the, the number 16, we were talking on Friday's show about how uh, the NBA has got to feel pretty good about the way the testing went. And then we found out, like, almost, almost immediately after the show posted that the number was 16, which was significantly lower than I could have imagined it would be. But at the same time, I started to think, like, all right. Was it really just 16? That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing if it was really just 16. Then you thought, okay, 302 tests. Like, it was a really good number, in my opinion. And I'm probably alone in that thinking. I thought that was a hell of a number. I was expecting something much worse. And I thought, wait a minute. It goes back to what we were talking about before. A lot of coaches have already been tested. A lot of uh, team personnel have already been tested. A lot of players, quite honestly, had already been tested. I don't know that we got the results from those. What were the results from those? If, let's see, 302 were tested over the course of a couple of days, how many do you think were kind of went back early? Like, how many do you think were working out at the team's practice facilities? 100? Less than 100? I mean, because remember, you got to count coaches, you got to count team personnel, you got to count all of those people. How many do you think were tested? Over 100? Was the number less than 16? Was it more than 16? Was it a whole lot? And they just said, hey, there ain't nothing official to talk about here. We ain't got to talk about it. I thought 16 was a win. I thought what Jabari Parker did was a loss. Now, I have my feelings about the mask, and I have made those very clear. You need to wear your mask. It's not about you. It's not about your freedom of choice. It's not about your decision. It's about the fact when you don't, you endanger others, and you should at least have the common decency to not endanger others. You don't know what the person you're encountering at the grocery store. You don't know about their, you know, you don't know their medical records. 
Just, just, it's not even that big of an inconvenience. Dude, what do you, you shouldn't even be outside long enough for a mask to be a damn inconvenience. But my issue isn't with, and I don't think the issue of the Sacramento Kings isn't that Jabari Parker was out playing tennis without a mask, though I'm sure they're going to ask questions like, dude, what were you doing? The issue is actually, he's not supposed to be working out. You know, when you're sick, your immune system is weakened. It's normally what causes you to get sick. And even when you're asymptomatic and you're infected with this virus, your immune system is weakened. When you work out while you're sick, your immune system further gets weaker. You often hear when you rest, drink, eat, rebuild that immune system, eat healthy foods, you know, drink a ton, you know, drink a bunch of orange juice and get that vitamin C and do all that stuff. You know, there is a reason behind it. It's to rebuild your immune system. If Jabari Parker has the virus, whether he's asymptomatic or not, he shouldn't be working out. Now, you can social distance quite a bit when you're playing tennis, but still, you're not supposed to be working out. The Kings told NBC Sports California, we are aware of the report and are gathering additional information. We have no further comment at this time. I think that was released on Saturday. Here we are Monday morning. We still don't have, you know, anything from the Kings. And I mean, I don't know what the, I I don't know what you do with this. This to me is just dumb. Like to me, I hate doing this. I really do. But this makes me question his intelligence. Like that, that's what I don't question. Yeah. I know people have their feelings about Jabari Parker and he was supposed to be great and he's not, and he's this and he's that. But when you do stuff like this, just not even as an athlete, just as a man, I just look at you and go, you dumb. Like, what are you doing? This was just dumb. Did you just have to get that match in? Like what? Did he think this was the, you're not supposed to be training, fam. What are you doing? I wouldn't be shocked if, if Jabari Parker suddenly decided he didn't want to rejoin the team. Because I know that's how he ended his statement. I have a statement in front of me. I look forward to joining my teammates in Orlando as we return to the court for the resumption of the NBA season. The Kings might be like, eh. You know what, fam? We're going to take Kyle Guy. Or some other guy on our Stockton Kings roster. Is there still hope for Jabari as a basketball player? Like I said uh, on a Sacramento Kings podcast recently, I was talking about Corey Brewer. It's like, I think Kings fans would rather have Corey Brewer than Jabari Parker. And what I really think that boils down to is I think Kings fans like Corey Brewer more than they like Jabari Parker. I think Jabari Parker is just this big ass question mark. And he's all like, he just remains a question mark. And I wonder, is there still time to answer that question? Is there still hope to answer that question? Could he be Could he be great one day? Could he be good one day? Could he be an all-star reserve? Like, what is Jabari Parker's ceiling at this point? And I have no idea. Absolutely none. He's one of those. He's a wild, like, that draft class that was supposed to change the universe is such a wild card. Not all of them. Joel Embiid, he went number two. Once he got healthy, hey, he's a stud. He's, he's He is everything he was supposed to be. Andrew Wiggins, not so much. Jabari Parker, not so much. Maybe a good question would be, which one is more likely 
I don't even know how to phrase this. Who's going to have a better NBA career? How about that? Jabari Parker or Andrew Wiggins? Will either of their NBA careers matter? And I know what you're thinking. Damien, all careers matter. But specifically as it pertains to Jabari and Andrew Wiggins. Like, is there going to be anything memorable other than, uh, this was supposed to be the draft class that changed everything, and it very much did not. And I hate when I have to question a player's intelligence. I hate when I have to question anybody's intelligence, particularly my own. I get I, the, 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 the absolute most frustrating thing in the world to me is my own stupidity. And I exercise that quite a bit on a variety of podcasts that I encourage you all to tune into. Especially this one, every single day, right here on this podcast platform that you're listening to this one on, just in case you're a first-time listener. I thought I'd throw that out there. So basketball is set to resume. Let's look at some of the other games. What else do we got here? The season is going to kick off with the Pelicans. Why? Okay. I got a thing for theatrics. Why not start the season with the Jazz and the Thunder? Would that be like conjuring up too many bad memories? Is that just some bad mojo that you don't really want to screw with? Because to me, the most poetic thing that you could possibly do is start the season with the Thunder and the Jazz and let that second game be the game that we we were robbed of. The Pelicans and the Kings. It's dramatic. It brings everything full circle. The game that shut it all down. The game that ended the season. My feeling is somebody, somebody in the NBA offices in New York made that suggestion and somebody stood up and said, we are not tempting fate. If there is a such thing as the basketball gods, and if you're a sports fan, you have referred to a god of your particular sport at some point or another. We are not tempting the basketball gods by having the Jazz and the Thunder play on the first night. Missed opportunity. Full circle. I remember Frankie J was performing on that show. You could have had Frankie J performing live via Zoom or something. Just make it all happen. Now instead, we get the Pelicans and the Jazz. And I'm guessing every Sacramento Kings fan is going to be a huge fan of whoever is playing the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, and the Blazers. As we mentioned, the Kings will have not one, but two matchups against the New Orleans Pelicans. That first game is pretty crucial as well. We ruled out San Antonio only because LaMarcus Aldridge isn't going. You can't really rule out San Antonio, though, especially because it's first game. And when I say rule out, like, I don't think San Antonio is going to compete for the playoffs. I don't think San Antonio even wants to compete for the playoffs. If San Antonio could send Becky Hammond or Tim Duncan to coach these eight games instead of Greg Popovich, I'm confident they would. In fact, I'm not a hundred percent Greg Pop. I'm not a hundred percent certain Greg Popovich isn't going to go. Eh. <laughs> you know, I'm old. Health. Becky and Timmy got it. They're they're both head coaches. Go on, guys, get it done. If the Marcus Aldridge was there, maybe it'd be different. Could you imagine if this is how the Spurs continue their playoff spree streak? Like somehow they they get a couple of wins and. They're able to beat the Grizzlies back-to-back games. That'd be pretty phenomenal. But the Kings play uh, the Pelicans twice. That's the only team of consequence, easy for me to say, that they play. They open up against the Spurs. Obviously, you want to get that one. 
But that first game is going to be so, I, I mean, I don't even know what to think. Like, what, what do you even, the, 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 the Pelicans and the Jazz, like, how, how does Vegas call it? Like, how do you even figure out what this means? You've got the Lakers and the Clippers on opening night as well. All right. Okay. Reggie Miller is dying to know who has home court advantage for this Lakers-Clippers game in Orlando on the first night of the bubble. I don't know, man. A couple of other, what else do we got? Portland and Memphis. That's going to be on July 31st. I mean, Kings fans will be glued to that one. That one's on MTV. Uh, MTV. Yes, the game is being played on MTV. I don't know what's wrong with me this morning. I'm sorry. The Blazers and the Grizzlies will be on NBA TV on July 31st. Kings fans obviously will be uh, watching that one closely. I will have my eyes on the 330 tip. The Celtics and the Bucks. Go ahead and shoot this one into my veins. I am all about this. The Celtics and the Bucks, July 31st, ESPN, 3.30 our time. Again, get used to these weird start times. Uh, the Heat and the Nuggets, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, inter- I'm actually really interested to see what the Heat do in, in the playoffs. Um, what else do we got here? You know, speaking of the Heat, the... I don't did you I don't know if you saw that thing on ESPN last night. Uh the decision it was it was like a backstory on the decision. And one of the big deals that was like making the rounds as as part of a preview to the to the show was like a fan who wrote into Bill Simmons mailbag that he used to do for ESPN had the idea of hey, can you imagine if LeBron announces you know, his, his decision on, on a show when you sell it to the network and you can put it on pay-per-view, like whatever. And then the way that they're telling the story now, which I find comical is Bill Simmons took the idea to Maverick Carter, LeBron's right-hand man and Maverick Carter loved the idea. So let's get over the fact that pretty much everybody who was following LeBron James and was following free agent that year thought, man, you could host a show based on just him doing, it's not like because his, this dude's letter got printed that it was like his, his idea. And I really am not buying this Bill Simmons thing. I'm not buying the Bill Simmons thing because, and truthfully, I, I watched the show. I didn't really care. This was more about like ESPN's perspective about why they did it, which is fine. I'm sure people are intrigued by that. I read a book called, or I actually listened to a book. It was a, a Brian Winhurst book, uh, LeBron Inc. And it focused primarily on the business of LeBron James. It focused on, it talked about the decision. It talked about uh, his, you know, original shoe deal. It talked about how, you know, shoe companies were recruiting him and his AAU teams. And it, and it talked about, you know, the formation of the uninterrupted. It, 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 it focused on all of that, those, those, no basketball, you know, business of LeBron. And I love the book. I thought it was fantastic. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And at no point in this book do I remember Bill Simmons' name coming up. At no point do I recall them talking about some fan coming up with the idea for the decision. Now, I'm going to go back and re-listen to this because I don't want to spout out a bunch of stuff that's true or not true, but I know their Bill Simmons' name was not brought up in that book. And I know no thought of saying that it, the idea came from a fan came up in that book either. This was a conversation 
And I remember this part. This was a conversation that they had talked about for weeks. It, it, it wasn't new. Like it, it, it wasn't thought of the moment that it was announced. Like it, 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 it had been thought of and maybe not so strategically put together. Well, I guess it was strategically put together. The fallout wasn't well thought about in advance. I don't know why. I, I point that out for no reason. I don't know why. I mentioned the Miami Heat. It made me think of that show I saw last night. The Bucks and the Rockets. Looking forward to that. Uh, that's another marquee game that's on August 2nd. The Grizzlies and the Pelicans. Uh, they'll take on each other. That's going to be Zion versus Ja. Zion versus uh, Ja Morant. August 3rd. Two former AAU teammates. They're going to be fighting for that eight spot. we got the Rockets and the Lakers. What were the are the the Rockets? I think are one of the more intriguing storylines for the resumption of the season. You know, because we all make the jokes and rightfully so about James Harden and Mike D'Antoni and their inability to perform in the playoffs. Obviously, Russell Westbrook is an all-time playoff performer; he's the greatest ever. But we all make our jokes, and it's like, oh, well, this is different because it's usually, or at least we classify it as, well, they're burnt out, they're tired, they're not used to playing this many games in a row. My argument has always been, it's not that they're used to playing so many games that rapidly without any sort of stretch of a break, though. Sometimes you get some pretty lengthy breaks during the playoffs. Obviously, that's not going to happen this year. But you're running from the regular season right into the playoffs, and you know, you're know you not even in... Once you get far along, you know, once you get deep enough into your career, especially if you're Mike D'Antoni and James Harden, you have these you know, lack of big-time playoff performances on your shoulders. You're not thinking about the first round of the playoffs anymore. You're thinking about, man, we've got to get to the Western Conference Finals, man. We've got to get past the Western Conference Finals, and we've got to get into the NBA Finals. How much of, how much did this rest help the Rockets' chances at advancing to the NBA Finals? Getting some of those, those playoff monkeys off their back, if you will. Well, you might get a taste of that on August 6th when the Rockets take on the Lakers. Of course, all of this is like, they could be a complete disaster. <laughs> you, like, And this is, I just feel like this year something weird is going to happen. Like the Thunder are going to be in the conference finals. There are going to be four teams in the conference finals. And I, I know, smart, right? Four teams in the conference finals. One of them is going to be like, whoa, how did they get there? Maybe it's the Kings. Maybe it's the Pelicans. Maybe it's the Thunder. Because I don't know that there's a lot. I don't know that Utah is a woe. People thought Utah was going to be the number one overall seed before the season started. You know, Denver is, you know, they've paid their dues. They're, they're working and they're improving. And, they, you, know, you know, and I'm talking about from year to year, not necessarily as it pertains, you know, to this season. What does skinny, what does uh, skinny Nicola look like? And not physically look like. What does he look like on the court? No, we'll find out. I don't, but I don't think it's a shock if Denver's there or Utah. I think it's a shock if Utah, or I think it's a shock if um, Oklahoma City is there. I think it's a shock, honestly, if Dallas is there. And certainly if it's any of the teams competing for the eighth spot, that's a shock to be in the conference finals. Because it means the Lakers aren't, or the Clippers aren't, or you know one of those teams that you expected to win the NBA championship, they're not going to be there. The Clippers are going to play the Oklahoma City Thunder on August 14th, which is the last day of the regular season. 
and then we'll turn around and go right into the playoffs. There's not going to be a lot of, of uh, you know, that playoff scheduling, particularly there through the first two rounds. I, I think we'll probably see it in the conference finals where you see long breaks between games in order to get, you know, certain matchups on certain nights. I think we'll see that in the conference finals. I do not think we see it before then. First couple of rounds of the playoffs, they want to get these games over with. They want to get these teams, these coaches, these players. They want to get all of these people out of the bubble as quickly as possible. They want to, the, the metaphorical bubble. I hate that I say bubble like it's real. It's not. They want to get all of these people out of Orlando as quickly as possible. One more NBA note. This is interesting. We saw Premier League teams uh, wear Black Lives Matter on the back of their jerseys. Uh, And it appears the NBA is going to allow players to... The NBA is going to allow players to, to, to do something with their jerseys. Now, what does that something look like? I'm not really sure. Remember the Kyrie, Avery, Bradley led meetings we're talking about? You know, we have a lot of momentum as it pertains to this racial equality movement, this social justice movement. We have a lot of that going for us right now. Basketball could be a distraction, and not in a good way. It could be a distraction from the movement. For us, it could be a distraction in the movement for our fans. Our fans right now, they're, they're working. They're working to, you know, to, better, you know, to, to, to better race relations. Okay, it's, it's, it's solid thinking. I didn't agree with it, as we've stated before, but I get it. So the NBA has thought, well, and this is actually an, MBA, uh, an idea birthed by Angel McCautry from the WNBA. She presented the WNBA with the idea of wearing a jersey that had Breonna Taylor's name on it. And that's kind of how this idea seemed to have gained mo- momentum within the NBA. And there have been discussions between the NBA and the Players Association about allowing certain certain names, certain sayings, certain things on their jerseys. I'm, 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 I'm curious. Um, what is it? What is, what does this look like? What does this mean? Like, is it, is LeBron wearing a, a George Floyd Jersey? Cause that what it is like, does the back say George Floyd? Because I feel like, how do you do this? You know what I mean? I, I don't think anybody in the NBA is going to be vocal about it. But I don't think everybody in the NBA agrees with the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, I say that meaning I don't expect 17 people on a roster to think exactly the same. I also don't expect 17 people on 22 different rosters to think the same either. There is probably a couple of All Lives Matter guys circulating around the National Basketball Association. I don't believe any of them. I don't think any of them would be silly enough to voice All Lives Matter because hopefully you have paid attention long enough to know how ridiculous that is. There are some great memes going around social media right now that that explain how ridiculous it is. Many of them are too vulgar even for this podcast, which has, you know, F-bomb quotas that we try to hit. This, this, this varies into the explicit category. But I do believe that there's 
there are some who might say, hey, why can't I put this on my jersey? Again, maybe the, maybe what it really boils down to is that they wouldn't voice it. Which, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm curious. I'm curious to see what this looks like. Do you clear it with their families? Like, do you, do, you, do you talk to George Floyd's family and say, hey, LeBron wants to do this, or, or Russell Westbrook wants to do this? Does Russell Westbrook wear, you know, remember Tulsa on his jersey or something like that? You know, he's, he's you know, LeBron and Russell Westbrook are both working on documentaries about Black Wall Street. A topic that wasn't even being discussed a couple of months ago. Two of the most prominent players in the NBA are working on documentaries uh, for Tulsa 1921. Somebody put Elijah McClain's name on their jersey. I, I, I don't know. Can you auction off the jerseys? What about that? What if you don't mass produce, you know, Lakers George, George Floyd jerseys or King Stephon Clark jerseys or, or, or whatever? What if the guys who wear them, you auction them off? And then the money goes to insert charity here. It doesn't matter. Something that, 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 that continues to further the, the racial equality movement that's going on right now. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm throwing out ideas. I am throwing out ideas. I would expect several Kings players to be a part of this. Kings are, Kings get it. Harrison Barnes is a great, great person to have uh, on this on this team and, 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 and as the leader for issues like this. I'm 100% behind Harrison Barnes. This was an interesting story that popped up over the weekend. It pertains to UCLA and Under Armour. If you recall, in 2017, Under Armour and UCLA agreed to a 15-year, $280 million contract. At the time, and even for, I think, the next two years, it was the largest college apparel deal in the country. UCLA, uh, or specifically Under Armour, they're not feeling it anymore. Statement from Under Armour reads, Under Armour has recently made the difficult decision to discontinue our partnership with UCLA as we have been paying for marketing benefits that we have not received for an extended time period. The agreement allows us to terminate in such an event, and we are exercising that right. UCLA responded. UCLA Athletics learned this week that Under Armour is attempting to terminate its 15-year apparel and footwear contract with us in the Bruin community. We are exploring all our options to resist Under Armour's actions. We remain committed to providing our hard-working staff and student-athletes with footwear, apparel, and equipment needed to train and compete at the highest level, as they and our loyal Bruins fans deserve. Oh, this could, this, this, this could get good. This could get good because I'm trying to envision a situation where UCLA and Under Armour go to court over this. And this all is going to pertain to the wording of the contract. Because if you go back and you, if I go back and, and read that line from Under Armour's statement again, the agreement allows us to terminate in such an event and we are exercising that right. Now we've got to go back to the other line that says we have been paying for marketing benefits that we have not received for an extended period of time. Now, how does UCLA combat that? Do they combat that saying it's because of the pandemic? Do they combat that saying, well, we've still been able to provide you with those marketing benefits. It feels like there's a lot of, it feels like if this goes to court, it could be a really, really long court battle. 
And I'm trying to envision a scenario where Under Armour is pleased with this, where they'll begrudgingly befit UCLA athletics with whatever, you know, with the, with the, with the, with the gear that they need. Do they send them trash? <laughs> Do they send them just like the worst stuff on the line that they have? Do they create a new brand, the UCLA crap brand of Under Armour, and send it to them? I, d- I feel like when you enter into a relationship with someone, it, it, what this feels like is there's two entities, like they're married. And one of them says, you know what? you haven't lived up to your end of this marriage. I want a divorce. And the other one goes, no, I'm going to take you to court and I'm going to make you stay married to me. Like what good would come about of that? Even if the judge said, you know what? You're right. You got to stay married for another 13 years. But I thought this was interesting because is, is this, is this pandemic related and under armor is looking like, man, UCLA sucks. We have got to get out of this arrangement. We absolutely have to get out of this. And we can, this is the perfect excuse to get out of it right now. Perfect. Let's get out. Is it something more than that? Are they just not happy with what they're getting from UCLA? Do they feel like they're not going to be able to get anything? Is it some of the stuff that has come out about UCLA and the relationship with Chip Kelly? Like, I don't know. Throwing stuff out there. At all, like how upset really is Under Armour about all of this? Guess we'll we'll find out. But if it's not, if it if if it, if it's if it's cost cutting measures, some you know something along those lines, are we like? Is this the? Do we see other other apparel companies do this with with colleges where they're like, uh, maybe not even to leave the university but to restructure their deal and that dude, we're paying you, you know, we've, 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 we've got this deal. We've got this $280 million deal. You're outfitting us. We're giving you all of this, 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 this marketing and all of these different things. And they're like, ah, you know, we really should just restructure these deals. I don't know. But I, I thought it was funny because UCLA is sort of a joke right now. All of those things that came out about Chip Kelly a couple of weeks ago. The only thing that has been worse is NASCAR. And I'm bringing this story up for only one specific reason, because ultimately the story is everything I expect it to be. Like it's, there's nothing surprising here. I just wanted to put it out there because I want you to pay attention to a particular portion of it. Because it goes back to things that we've, we've been talking about, both here on this podcast and on social media for the last several, several months. The owner of a North Carolina racetrack decided uh, he would put up what he called the bubble rope. He would put up what he advertised as the bubble rope for sale on Facebook Marketplace. So, again, he is the owner of a North Carolina racetrack, and he thought it would be funny to sell on Facebook Marketplace a rope tied into a noose. Okay? This is the part that I wanted you to pay attention to because it's been written about in newspapers in North Carolina. ESPN did a story on it as well. The part I want you to pay attention to is his words. 
right? Because he made the decision to take this rope, tie it up as a noose. It's timely. It's topical. He owns a North Carolina racetrack. He's going to sell it. Hey, look, you can have your own bubble rope. Remember NASCAR said, oh, it's been there since October. Oh, it's in other garages. Remember, remember that they said that. He specifically referred to it as a bubble rope. And this is what he tells uh, the newspaper in Greensboro, North Carolina. He says, I've, I've lost all but two of my sponsors. I'm responsible. I'm responsible for trying to make some jokes. My employees got harassed. I had seven employees quit. Oh, my bad. This is about you. Oh, yes. See, this is how it works. Oh, let me throw in the the true kicker from the newspaper. He said he wants to he wants to have some low-profile racing at his racetrack in North Carolina, and he plans to stay off, stay off social media. He also says in this interview with the Greensboro newspaper in which he broke down in tears and he sobbed and he said, I'm not a racist. So does this sound at all familiar to anybody? I'm, 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 I'm taking these dramatic pauses because I'm, I'm giving you time to think. I'm giving you time to think about a scenario where somebody did something that was obviously racist. And so what they did is they ran to the newspaper and they talked about how much pain they were in and how this is, how this is just destroyed everything. They made the story about how they feel. They made the story about their feelings. Like my poor employees, they get arrested. I had seven employees quit. Poor me. I'm going to cry and I'm going to sob and I'm going to tell you I'm not a racist even though, even though I took a rope, tied it into a noose and called it a bubble rope and said it was from my racetrack because that was the topical thing to do. But I'm not racist just because I associate this rope that's tied like a noose to a black guy. I'm, I'm, no, why would you think that? That's so stupid. Why would you think that about me? But I want you to know I'm not racist. I'm going to cry. I am in pain. All we're missing is I have black friends. That's all we're missing. I have more black friends than white friends. That's all that we're missing. This is textbook. These guys operate from the same playbook. All of them. I'm not narrowing it down to the guy who used to work in Sacramento, nor this guy who works in North Carolina. All of them. They play by the same playbook when they get called out for their racial insensitivity. They, they go to this book. And they say, what do I do? What do I do? In case I prove to the world I'm a racist, here how you handle it. Make the story about you. Tell everybody how bad you feel. Tell everybody all that you have suffered because of your racism. And for God's sakes, tell the world that you're not racist. There are a lot of white people that listen to this show. And that, that sentence sounds funny even saying it. 
that I know for a fact have never had to stand up and say, I'm not racist. You know why? Because you're not. That's how you know. If you have ever had to stand up and make the declaration to somebody, I'm not racist, chances are you are. Because if you weren't, no one would question it. If you weren't, you would never have to stand up and say it. You wouldn't. Oh, man. I actually saw this story and laughed. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. These guys, they just operate out of the same manual. I will repeat a tweet that I wrote way back in early June. If you want to convince the world you're not racist, stop acting like it. Or be willing to accept we live in a horribly racist country. And these people have, they are puffing their chest out. They're feeling good. Their president of the United States tweeted white power yesterday, or he tweeted a video that said white power in it. Oh, he, we're feeling good. We've, we have a president who has been backed by members of the KKK and white supremacy groups. We are feeling good, and we've got Twitter and fake profiles to voice how we feel. I love y'all, man. I got, I got, I got a little lost with that last story. I don't know why I went so far. Started out, I was, I'm still happy. Like I'm, I'm feeling great today. I thought today's show was exceptionally positive. It started with great news as it pertains to Cam Newton. Oh, by the grace of God, we're going to have actual sports to talk about here soon. We've got baseball players set to return. I don't know if baseball is actually going to get through their whole season, but hey, let's give it a shot. Football's right around the corner, maybe allegedly, possibly. Of course, the world could all end by now, but hey, let's just have fun until then. We'll talk about the serious stuff when we have to, which I did over on Patreon. Check it out. If you haven't yet, patreon.com slash Damien Barling. New episode of Be Conscious went up yesterday. We'll have a new episode of the wrestling podcast. Eddie Guerrero's episode of Relive drops. Oh, and the episode I'm dropping on Patreon this week. The formation of the NWO and Hogan's heel turn. 24 years ago. I had a blast putting this one together. It is the quickest I have ever put an episode of Relive together. I wrote the script. I wrote 20 plus pages of script, got the audio, did the read, and put the whole thing together in the span of two days. Most shows take me about a week. This one took me two days. I was so hyped to put this one together, and I'm so hyped for you to hear it. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I hope you'll stick around the rest of the week. If you do, we'll see you here tomorrow on the podcast with Damian Barley.